from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Karina from Pvolve. Karina, it's really nice to have you on. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited to have you on. So can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as the company, who you are and what you're doing and what you guys are doing as a company? Yeah, sure. I am the chief commercial and marketing officer of a company called Pvolve. Pvolve is a science-led functional fitness company that pairs functional movement with resistance-based equipment for a workout that provides a lot of the benefits of a traditional workout, sculpts and strengthens your body. But what's special about Pvolve because of the functional method is that it provides also sustaining lifelong benefits that can serve you throughout your life because functional movement trains your body to move in the way that it moves throughout your life. So it's a really unique method. It's a method that is appropriate for all stages of life. It's a method that's been great for people who have body sensitivities or injuries. And we have a a growing community of people who are just realizing and discovering functional fitness and, and our specific approach to it and falling in love. And one of the things that's really special about Pvolve as of this year is that Jennifer Aniston was one of those members of our community. And she recently came on board as a partner in the company. And so that has been a transformational moment for us in terms of driving awareness and all that. As far as my scope as a chief commercial and marketing officer in terms of what I do, so I oversee marketing as well as product development and technology. And one other thing I'll mention about Pvolve that I think is really exciting and special is that we're actually an omni-channel business, which means that not only do we have a streaming platform where you can become a member and access our content online through our web app and, and mobile apps, And we have all this innovative equipment, including three patented pieces of resistance-based equipment. But we're also actually a boutique studio business. In other words, we have brick and mortar locations. So we have seven doors open across the US and Canada. Um, We have a franchise uh, model. So we have 35 other locations opening soon, including one more this year and, and, and many more to come next year. So it's really special in that in this sort of hybrid world that we live in, hybrid work, hybrid medicine, works all living both in locations in the world, right? With our shopping and online with our shopping. So fitness is, is similar. And so Pball's omni-channel model, I think is really strategic to meet current consumer demand or current consumer trends where people wanna be able to work out at home and they want to be in their community and work out at a studio. And so Pvolve meet them, meets them where they're at. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your story. So, so you come into companies, you grow the brand, you grow the company. What is that story? How did you get into this? And then tell me a bit about, I want to dive into the approach. Of the, the yeah. Yeah. I start, I'm really old. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough that I started my career during the sort of dot-com bubble in the late uh, mid to late nineties. And so I really got I, like out of the gate, you know, uh, I got thrown into startup culture and technology and digital transformation and disruption of traditional industries because of the 
enhancements and enablement that comes with technology to change consumer experiences. And because I started my career that way, I think that the thrill of that has stuck with me. And I've always looked for that throughout my career. So I've worked in traditional media. I worked at Warner Media. I was, I joined, I was global head of product marketing at Peloton pre-IPO and through the IPO, I was the first CMO at Aura, makers of the Aura Ring, which is where I was prior to Pevolve. So I've always looked to be at companies either leading or participating or in some way going through digital transformation and building net new experiences for consumers that fundamentally change the way you might engage in a particular behavior, whether that's entertainment, healthcare, fitness, that has always been something I've sought out, whether intentionally or, you know, um, what's unintentionally not realizing it, subconsciously is the word I was looking for. I think that's always driven me. I love that. So what's your approach when you come into a company and you want to transform things and really have a an impact when it comes to marketing, where do you start? I start with product. Uh, I think it was Peter Drucker who said, business has two functions, innovation and marketing. And the two can't live without each other. What are you marketing? You're marketing a product or a service. So I start there. I always start with what is the product? What does it do for consumers? How does it do that better or differently than other products in the market? What's just true what's intrinsically true about our experience what we make and how it serves consumers from there it becomes a lot more fun and easy to start to build a brand because you're starting from a point of identity <laughs> what is brand but an expression of your company's identity right and identity is rooted in product in many ways so i start there and i think in the case of Pevolve, it was very much about what is functional movement? Why or how is functional movement different than a lot of other fitness modalities that we're so used to? What is it about our resistance-based equipment that puts us in a position to deliver a better outcome for consumers? In this case, it's not only are you moving in these three planes of motions, but because you're adding resistance, you're building strength and you're targeting all these muscles that you might not otherwise target. And it's forcing this sort of mind and muscle connection too, because you're engaging all these different muscle groups while you're moving. So these, all these things are really important, right? To bring out in your marketing, you talk in marketing about what is your value proposition or your USP or your RTBs? What are all these reasons a customer should believe that you could enhance their life? And so I always start there and then I'm a big believer in good process or what I could call good marketing hygiene, which means also documenting these things and making sure that everybody in your marketing organization and outside of your marketing organization is aligned, that those are the things that, yes, these are the things that we do well. These are the things that we want to tell consumers about ourselves, because if Technology thinks it's one thing and marketing thinks it's another and customer service thinks it's a third and you're not all growing in the same direction. The consumer is going to see one thing in advertising and experience something else, right? When they bring you home and that's terrible, right? That's creating false expectations or not living up to your promise. Once you establish the who and what 
we are and what we're saying to people, making sure that is something everybody's aligned on and signed off on and marching towards is also really important to me. Absolutely. So start with product and then how important do you think influencers are and then storytelling and some of these other aspects beyond product? Right now, influencer marketing is proving to be an invaluable part of a marketing mix just because the nature of social media, which is the most consumed media, especially among your younger demographics, that type of platform lends itself better to very sort of more casual, one intimate, personal, first person storytelling. <clears throat> and we use influencers a lot at Pevolve to share their experiences with our product. Now, I'll say it's important to identify influencers that actually use and like your product <laughs> and not yeah. pay people to, to just do unboxing videos or give here's for my fans a promo code or whatever. I think finding influencers that genuinely align with your, with your business is like, and your brand is crazy important. But I do think the nature of the way that influencers tell stories just is infinitely more entertaining and consumable on places like Instagram and TikTok than running your polished 30 second commercial, right? Which just feels interruptive and not native. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely seems like a trend where influencers are picking two brands or one brand or just some small amount to work with and consistently promote. That seems to be a definite trend and less polished stuff and more genuine and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And the other similar or extension of influencer marketing that I think is also really important these days is CGC. So not user-generated content, but customer-generated content. The most obvious example of that is obviously just ratings and reviews, right? But influencers are a rating, a form of ratings and reviews. It's just they have their reach is bigger and maybe the delivery is slightly more polished, less polished than the commercial, but more polished than two lines in, in, in a review on Amazon. But the point of that is that consumers are looking for validation from other consumers, from people like them to say, yes, this is a good product. This product serves me well in my life. It delivers for me. I like it. I love it. And an influencer is a version of that, is a version of a customer, hopefully. And if you're using, if they're authentic, they're just an influential customer as opposed to just someone you pay to. to yeah. Pay. Yeah. I love that. So what advice do you have for other marketing leaders? What should they be thinking about today? What should they be prioritizing? What should be top of mind? I think one of the really exciting trends I'm seeing, and I hate to call it a trend because it seems like it must have been true forever, but I am definitely seeing it emerge as I talk to other marketing executives or other industries, even CEOs. And what I'm seeing in the industry is this convergence of performance and brand where we talk about full stack marketers. And if you ask people, what do you mean by full stack marketers? They're good at performance and they're good at brand. Yeah. They should have been all along, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Why, you know, why is that a new trend? But it is a trend because I think 
you know, the internet and, and, and also specifically D2C businesses and Shopify birthed a, a very large number of companies that were very heavily focused performance marketing, right? On being really efficient with how they drive conversions off of meta or SEO or building out data, acquiring leads, then nurturing those leads, doing the sort of performance marketing playbook. And I think what's happened is a lot of those companies have realized that there's a limit to how much you can scale before all of a sudden brand really does matter. Maybe you can make your first 50 to 100 million just on performance marketing as a sort of the main driver of your marketing machine. But that, but to be a big billion dollar company, you need to be a brand that consumers talk about that has meaning and value and some sort of emotional connection to consumers beyond utility. And I think that's one thing I'm definitely seeing right now is a demand for full stack marketers, quote unquote, for marketers who understand the sort of what it, what the function of brand marketing, but also understand performance and are super technically savvy and know how to build a marketing tech stack and can acquire customers efficiently and can talk in the language of unit economics. And and I think, again, I think it's weird that it hasn't always been that way. I think the best marketers are always full stack marketers, but certainly I think that's the trend for what brands are looking for in CMOs these days. Absolutely. So what you're saying is if you don't have brand, you're not going to have a reasonable cost per acquisition and you're going to be hit some ceiling of volume. I uh, think but if you have a brand that keeps that cost per acquisition reasonable and allows you to scale much larger. A hundred percent. The thing about brands is that they're memorable, they're top of mind, they mean something to that target customer. And anytime you build, by the way, let's not talk about it in terms of brand and just talk about it in, in, in terms of demand planning and building a spreadsheet as a growth marketer. One of the key inputs in your demand plan is this concept of organic growth, right? How many customers do I have to pay for? And how many customers are gonna come on their own without me having to pay for them? Those, the ones that, like that drive, that's a material input on your CAC, right? Because yeah. if you're, right, if, you're, if your target, let's say your variable media CAC target is $200, if 50% of your customers are coming organically, your blended CAC is 100. You want to keep driving that down and down. Why? Because then it, <laughs> your customer acquisition yeah. goes down, right? So the way you get all of that, the way you build that organic flywheel is by being a brand that people talk about, that people share stories about on social media without you paying for that. Privilege. So that paid customer gets you two organic customers, essentially. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think some companies and products have been able to do that without a brand discipline, meaning the product is so, in, in and of itself, like the product is, has a network effect and is so sticky. Like 
early days, Facebook is a really good example, right? They didn't invest in brand marketing, but the, but the, the product in and of itself was this just, it was a- like, the, like Chat GPT today or something. Yes, yeah, so Chat GPT, but that's so rare, right? That's that's lightning in a bottle, that's, that's not. Most products are not like that. They don't, most, many products don't have an inherent network effect built into them. And that's not bad, it's just, it means that the nature of your marketing mix has to be, more diverse and brand yeah. is more important for sure so if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice what would that advice be i would tell myself to be more fearless or less afraid i don't flip sides of the same coin but a little different in terms of the kind of maybe the meaning you might take away from that but i think as when i was younger i just didn't advocate as much for things or myself or what I believed in. And I, and I think I probably, it would have served me better if I had stepped up or had a, I don't know, a stronger voice sometimes, I think. So I, I, I don't think anybody who knows me would call me a pushover, but I do think when my, when I was younger, I was definitely a little more trepidatious. Yeah. Mm. So any, any remaining words of wisdom, anything you want listeners to take away from today? Yeah. One thing I'll say is one other thing that's just, I'm realizing in retrospect now, 20 some odd years into my career has served me really well. And I would share this with any young marketers, value your relationships and your network. It's amazing to me how much relationships people I've worked with over a decade ago, those people are still in my life. I might not be working with them. They might not still be colleagues, but we call on each other and help each other. And that is so precious because companies come and go, jobs, you, you join and leave. But those people, those relationships can really survive all of those things and be really powerful in your life. And being able to call on those people is really special. Absolutely. It's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, <laughs> hey, thanks. You too. Take care.